This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and undoing the programming within us. Let's find your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearn. You know, I've kind of got some things that I want to discuss, but I, was, I just received uh, news that our dear friends, uh, Natasha and Kyle Kingsbury, just welcomed in their second child, a beautiful baby girl named Wolf, this morning. And um, it was amazing to get the news and, 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 and all that, as you can imagine. But I actually, um, they just shared a video of Wolf in. Kyle's hands, like just as she was delivered, and she's crying. And I just, it's so interesting. I've seen those images, those videos before, but I've never, just being honest, I've never been moved to tears. I'm always like, oh, that's so cool. Wow, isn't that neat? But yeah, it, um, it definitely evokes something in me. I think part of it is my love for for them and their family. But I think I'm just gaining a little more of an appreciation for just the absolute miracle. Among other things, by the way, there's so many miracles that we're surrounded by on a daily basis that, you know, I, for one, just overlook. But for me, that was a bit of a kind of a pattern interrupt, if you will. It, it really, it stopped me in my tracks. I mean, I was literally going to press record and I got a text message from Kyle. And it was this, it was just a beautiful, you know, you could, you just, you just sense that there was something so beautiful and incredible and, Unbelievable, really. To I, my my brain, my mind can't make sense of Earth, and I think if I if I'm really honest with myself, and I look back on the past year, year and a half, whatever the time frame is, those moments where I've not been able to explain. When I've been in a situation that's ineffable, as they say, which is used a lot with um, people when they talk about their psychedelic experiences, when they go into ceremony, they just can't explain it. Like, I can't explain exactly what it was about that video that brought me to tears. Um, I think it's because I've stopped thinking I know so much about so many things. I I started to understand that I had opinions, I had beliefs 
I bought a lot of things. Um, and in having looked at things through that lens, what I've come to learn is, well, that, that's it. I, I've, I've learned that I stopped the learning process. I've retarded the learning process by having beliefs. Now, having a knowing about something, there's a difference between knowing about something and knowing something. I talked about this previously on some podcasts, but let me just break it down for you so we're all on the same page here. Knowing about something is something you've read, something you've heard about, really a belief that you have based upon arguably others' opinions or others' experiences with a particular thing. But knowing something comes from having a direct experience with it. It also comes from letting go of belief systems. In a lot of cases, these belief systems that we adopt or that are given to us, that are conditioned into us, they're not ours. And honestly, they're probably not the, the belief systems of the people who put them into us. They're part of the same continuum, lineage, that we're all a part of. And these things just get passed down unconsciously from one generation to the next. And if you've been listening to this podcast um, for a bit, you understand that one of my main drivers of the podcast is to undo this conditioning, is to become aware of it, to see where these beliefs come from, and to start to let go of them one by one. You know, as Don Miguel Ruiz says in the Four Agreements, you know, we have to unlock these agreements. And we have to do it one by one. And and when I read, I've probably read the Four Agreements five or six times. It's no great feat. It's it's a short book. It's easy to read and all that. So it's not a personal stroke job there. But I want to say the first two times I read it, I read that part and it's in the beginning. He's like, yeah, you have to undo these one by one in my masculine achievement-based mind. It's like, there's no way I can get through all these agreements that I've made. I don't, I'm not going to become aware of them all. And so I literally like kind of skimmed over that part. I was like, so, so get me to the, what's the next thing? And it wasn't until recently probably three or four months ago, I was, had a, I sat down with, with Wes Hurt from Clean Cause and we, we were, we had a great conversation and I, I'm not sure if that, I'm assuming that podcast is coming up before this one. So you, hopefully you've heard that one. But one of the things we discuss is just that, like to let go of that masculine mindset of having to get the job done, to check all the boxes, to check all the agreements off. And to understand that it's about that process. It's about being in process. It's about being in the present moment with whatever agreement is in front of you that is creating resistance and suffering for you. And to take that agreement, to understand where it comes from, to unlock it, to thank it for being there, because arguably these things are all teachers. Some of these agreements have allowed me to create some financial freedom, right? And so I have gratitude for that. Some of these agreements have 
created suffering for me, but in that suffering, it showed me that that's not the way. And so without going down that rabbit hole, um, my point is these agreements, the only way to make your way through them is to, again, to, to look at them on, a, on an individual basis and to unlock them. And it doesn't mean they're not going to come back. They may. They probably will. Um, and then we just have to unlock it again. And each time we unlock it, it becomes you know, a little less sticky, a little less friction for us. And so, again, if you've read the four agreements and, and maybe what I'm saying resonates with you, and if it doesn't, well, that just gives you a, a bit of an idea of how I approach things. And um, it's, in, it's important to, for me to see these beliefs that I've had, that I've adopted again, or that have been placed upon me to not have judgment around them, but to, to, to sit with each in its own right. And to remember that each time I unlock agreement, it creates a little bit more freedom. I'm a little bit more liberated to go about my daily life and to get closer to who I really am. It allows me to start to show up in integrity to show up as myself. But to do that, I need to peel away all these things, these masks, these different roles um, that I feel uh, I need to show up as. And so anyway, um, yeah, if, if, if you're into the four agreements or if you've even thought about, oh, look at all these beliefs. And, you know, I know I had a bit of an existential crisis when I started to realize that I was being run by somebody else's program. It was a collective's program. And um, as I started to peel away, I was like, oh, well, if I don't have this, who am I? Who am I? And it's scary when you've leaned on these ideas about who you are for so long and they've served you and they served me. Um, but I highly encourage each of you to go into that space with courage and without knowing and with faith, right? You have, like, you have to rely on the faith of the knowing that you're doing the right thing, that at the end of the day, the real juice is finding out who you are without all these, without all the ways for me is the ways that I was kind of protecting myself really unknowingly. But, um, so yeah, the difference between knowing about something is, is, you know, honestly, it's like listening to this podcast and saying, Oh, okay, I get it. Well, well take a concept that maybe makes sense to you and then go try it out for yourself. And then instead of knowing about it from another source, you actually know it from your own experience and your experience should be different than mine. It most likely is going to be different than mine. It may be in the, in the same ballpark, it may be in the same direction, but it's going to be different. And that's awesome. Hold true to that. And then if you have this, a, a similar thing and you go on to have a different experience with that same thing. Well, and, and as I say, you know, my Instagram little quote is I reserve the right to change my mind. And so do you like, 
let's stop with this. I had a, I had a great conversation yesterday with, you know, one of my, one of my boys, one of my brothers, Connor Moore, who, um, came on the podcast and that'll be out, you know, a few weeks after this one. But, uh, we talked just about that very thing and how politicians aren't given the right to change your mind. Uh, they're, they're held to these belief systems of, of, how the, why they got elected into office. And I understand that there needs to be some authenticity there, but as new information comes out, like why aren't these guys and gals changing their minds? Um, because it, it leaves them open to much criticism. So anyway, I'm not really interested in getting into the politics of all that. But listen, there are many things I've wanted to discuss. And uh, this is so July 4th, tomorrow, Sunday, July 5th. The last two Sundays, if you subscribe to my newsletter, you have not received one. Now, I've sat down prior to both Sundays and tried to articulate what's been going on for me. And I've had nothing. I probably have five half-written newsletters that each have some nuggets in there that, that I've been working with, but I haven't been able to pull it all together. And so I've let them go. Um, and I'll kind of get more into that later on, but, but it occurred to me that maybe I just need to talk these things out. My, the way I show up, you know, I feel comfortable writing the newsletter and some of these Instagram posts where I, where I tap into what, what I'm feeling. But at the end of the day, I'm more, I'm better suited, I feel, not to put myself in a box, but I feel like I'm better suited to articulate it through the spoken word. And, you know, yesterday something, something came to me that, it was a bit of an aha moment. I've had actually several of those lately, but yesterday was super interesting for me. Uh, just to give a little context, uh, we go to Idaho for the summertime. We've been doing it for a number of years. And this year with how travel is super challenging and there's lockdowns and restrictions and shelter in place and distancing and all, all that stuff, uh, our summer's been a little bit different, like I'm sure yours has. Our daughter, our youngest, uh, our youngest, went up to Idaho with her best friend maybe a week ago. Yesterday, my wife Peyton and our middle child, Bowen, flew up to Idaho. Now, my oldest and I are here at the house. And he has a basketball tournament tomorrow. And he has one next weekend. And so we're going to stay here. And I think under normal travel conditions, he and I would consider going up to Idaho during the week after his tournament tomorrow. Um, but given that and the fact that he has a girlfriend now uh, for, I don't know, it's been about three weeks or something. He really wants to be here. And things are a little bit crazy up in Idaho, just like they are everywhere. So he's not really going to be able to see his buddies as much as he wants. He can't have his best friend come in because they're not allowing guests at the golf community that we're at. 
And so he wants to be here with his girlfriend. And I get it. Um, and so I, I happily, you know, it's interesting. I happily agreed to it. Uh, and in fact, I'm having a group of my best friends. You've heard me talk about them before. Um, they're coming to Austin on July 15th. So a little more, you know, a week and a half from now. There's a chance that I actually don't get up to Idaho until the 19th or 20th of July. There's a part of me that, like, I love Idaho. It's amazing. It's gorgeous. We have some really amazing friends up there, but I'm okay being here. Uh, the weather here in Austin's hot. There's not a lot to do with other people because it's, you know, it's, it's getting kind of more in the lockdown mode. Um, but I think I realized yesterday why I was really okay with it. And let me see if I can be really clear about how I articulate this. I don't want to get it. I don't want it to necessarily be misunderstood. And if it is misunderstood, that's okay. Totally okay. Um, but I'll try to, uh, I'll try to use my 25 or so, uh, podcast deep opportunities for articulation to see if I can really say this very clearly, even though that was a bit of a mumble jumble there. In essence, um, when Peyton and Bowen left yesterday, it was like my shoulders relaxed. Like I breathe, I had this like deep sigh of relief. Um, I felt, I felt completely free. Um, and let me try to explain why. Now, a dear friend of mine was here the other day, and we were chatting about some stuff. He was actually just swinging by for, for a moment to grab something, and then he was heading somewhere else. And in that moment, he shared that he and his wife had been sleeping in separate beds for probably the last eight or nine months. Okay, so I think we all know people who have slept in separate beds as, as partners. And I think generally when that happens, things are on the outs. And um, it's usually a pretty good marker for that, right? So what do we do? What do I do? The first thing I hear is like, oh, I wonder if, I hope, I hope everything's okay between them because they're an amazing couple. And, you know, just my heart wants that whole family unit to be really feeling good. But I also know that sometimes it's just time. Um, but what he shared with me really opened my eyes. And he said, yeah, man, like we're in our space a lot during the day. You know, they both kind of work from home. They both work together at times. It's like, there's like too much energy sometimes for us to sleep in the same bed. He goes, we, we started doing it a couple of years ago and it's been really good for us. And so nothing's wrong with the relationship. In fact, it's, it's quite healthy, I'd argue. And um, it also calls to mind uh, a buddy of mine who uh, I hadn't talked to him in a 
number of years since college. And he shared with me that he had been divorced and he's remarried and his wife lives in a different state. He didn't say it apologetically or anything. He just very matter of factly. And it was, again, it was a great reminder. Let's stop trying to fit everybody's relationship, everybody's life into a particular box, how things are supposed to be, how the church says it's supposed to be, how society says it's supposed to be. That's all bullshit. Because here I have two, two guys that I have a deep respect for who have incredibly healthy relationships, and they're abiding by what works for them and their partner in their relationship. One of them is sleeping in separate beds. Actually, both of them are sleeping in separate beds. And during this quarantine, my buddy whose wife lives in a different state, like he's not able to see her very often. But it's what works for them. They don't have to be all up in each other's business all the time. Now, I say this because when yesterday, my friend, or two days ago, my friend told me this, it, it started to make sense yesterday why I felt the way I felt. And so I sent him a voice memo and I was like, thank you. Thanks for sharing what you shared because I've had a sense of guilt about wanting space and wanting to feel more free. And if you know my setup at all here at the house, I spend a lot of time in the guest house. It's kind of been my headquarters for the podcast and for kind of all the stuff I've been doing. I do a lot of phone calls and Zoom calls and, and whatever, and I, I come over here. And so I have my own space in that regard. But I recognize that there's still, if, any, if, you, if you know anything about energy, you don't have to be in the same room to feel someone's energy. And so being on your own property can feel confining. Even, I mean, we have over an acre and a half here. So like, I'm not complaining about that. But what I'm saying is, I'll tell you what, what really occurred to me. Holy shit, I'm actually able to get into another physical space. I have a ton of empathy um, for those who don't and who those who are with their partners and are really struggling. Uh, I, I get it in, in whatever way that I can. Again, this is all to say that it's not that I wanted my wife and my son, but you know, her to leave, to, to, to give me space. It, 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 it brought to mind how I feel like I have to show up. And there's this sense of perfection. There's this sense of Let me, let me back up just a smidge. Let me see if I give you a little more context. If you're familiar at all with uh, what an Enneagram is, and this is kind of new to me. I've, I've, I've looked at it before. It's kind of a personality test. There are nine personality types. I don't know much about it at all, except that I've done the test before, and I've been kind of underwhelmed by the work. and. It just so happens that I did another test about a week and a half ago. And it spoke so much truth to me. 
um, in, in a nutshell, um, and there will be, I'm going to be having someone, a guest on, uh, to discuss the Enneagram, discuss my, uh, particular type, discuss Peyton's type and see how those two types work together and where their, the friction can be. But anyway, that's for another time. But, but I identify as a type three, type three is the achiever. And so in essence, let me see if I can just, uh, give you a nugget here for you to chew on. We all as children kind of have this, this, this wound and it simply comes from us being kids and mom and dad saying, don't do that, do this. And, and, and them trying to, you know, get us to behave and to act in a way that society will approve of. And, Oftentimes it's very well-meaning. You know, they're trying to give us structure and, and, and um, want us to be likable and lovable. But what happens is so much of our instinct as kids is conditioned out of us because we're told not to do this, not to do that, do this. We're, we're, it overrides you know, that, that thing I was talking about earlier, that knowing of, I'm just a kid. I just want to explore. I want to be free. And so... Through that, each of the nine types deals with that differently. What happens with the type three? The type three says, oh, okay, so I'm not lovable. I'm not likable when I do those things. Well, being achievement-based and, and, and being super focused and directed and being able to get shit done, the three f- figures out what it needs to do, what he or she needs to do in order to get that love. It's, it's really their interpretation of what they need to get the love because arguably the love should always be there. But maybe it isn't, you know. We have this idea that love is conditional. And I think in a lot of our upbringings it is. And um, so the three is amazing at strategy. The three is great at, like I said, figuring out the things. And a lot of times it's, excelling in school, sports, just doing shit. And what happens, hopefully, is that one day the three wakes up and says, what do I really want? Because I've been doing all these things based upon what I think, what I think other people want. It's not even necessarily what they want. It's what I think they want. And I certainly had that epiphany. Um, post my experience in Las Vegas at that shooting in October of 2017. Like that was, you know, that shooting kind of cracked things open for me. But that was one of the things that came to me like, who, 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 the, who am I? Yeah, I? I'm not even, I don't even know what I want. And so for the past two and a half years, I've been on this kind of existential inquiry to figure out what do I really want? And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more uh, later in the podcast. So I think that's an important thing for us to sit with for a bit. In any event, how this ties in is my three sensibilities. Okay, so, the, and again, I, I may be getting this wrong, but this is my interpretation. When I'm in my unconscious state, when my programming, my unconscious program is just running my ship, 
arguably when the inner child, that wounded inner child is, has his hands on the controls of what I'm doing. I feel guilty. I feel shame. I feel these things when I feel like I'm not showing up for my family, for instance. And a lot of that is just a story I'm telling myself. It's actually not the truth. And so when I'm here and the family's here and I'm just sensing a shift in energy, maybe with Peyton, I start to create a story about what's going on. And it's usually based around me not being lovable. And when that happens, I retreat. I try to, you know, the, 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 the core language that comes up for me is, oh no, what have I done? Right? Am I in trouble? And it's not, it's, that's not the language of a 48 year old. That's a language of a scared kid. And um, I recognize that the relief I feel in, um, you know, it just being Jake and I here at the house, it's not that it's Peyton's work to do to make me feel better when, when we're all together. It's my work. It's me unlocking that agreement, that belief that I'm unlovable because I haven't done something, for instance. You know, the other day I, I felt like I hadn't helped with feeding the animals. And um, it triggered a response in me, which sounds so silly when I talk about it right now, but it's very real that because I didn't do that and I was sensing an energy from Peyton that she was like a little disappointed, a little shut off, that I was unlovable. That wasn't 48-year-old higher self Cal. That was hmm, seven, eight, nine-year-old Cal, wounded Cal, who's like, oh no, I've, I've gotten in trouble again. And so, again, the work for me is to not, it's a couple things. It's to recognize when I start to feel those feelings of shame and unlovability and to sit with it and to understand that. Um, and, and, you know, I had a call earlier this week with, with one of my coaches and mentors and she kind of gave me some practices around like when that comes up, you know, take a deep breath and think about the people that love you unconditionally, that love you the most. And just think about like each one is a brick and stack those brick from like your tailbone all the way up until you get to your heart and your heart is full and keep stacking them until you understand that you are lovable, even if you didn't feed the animals. Right. So stop telling yourself that story because it's completely disempowering. It makes me not want to say something to Peyton and try to understand what's going on. Um, and so anyway, and I think that's, you know, to go deeper into that's another conversation, but again, I know that my work is to recognize when I'm telling myself a story and to also know that, yeah, sometimes I do need space. I need time away. I need time in my own energy away from the family. Um, and I'm greatly 
appreciative that, you know, my friend shared that with me the other day because uh, just like I've been trying to do, again, we're, we're not living in a box. We get to write our own rules and we get to decide if we choose to what feels good for us, what works for us personally, what works for us in relationship. And it doesn't have to look like your mom and dad or those that's that couple that relationship goals and all that shit. Like what works for you? And yeah, I haven't even discussed this with Peyton. I was just on the phone with her and I'm like, I need to sit with this for a little bit and, you know, understand that I have, you know, I carry this burden unnecessarily, this kind of heaviness of how I should be as a dad and as a husband. Uh, and maybe that's wrapped in a lot of different stories that aren't true. And it's not me actually showing up authentically. You know, if I can start to rewrite these stories or to let go of them, I start to get clearer on who I am and what it means to show up as me, just as me. Uh, without the, the identity of father, husband, friend, yeah, so that's that's something that I mean that was really the thing that inspired me to sit down and talk today. And again, I think it is my work, and I you know I would say Peyton would probably say she's she's got her own. We both have our own work to do, and it's important that we take care of our own work. And that when I'm feeling the way I'm feeling, like I did the other day, it's not for me to put it on her to say you make me feel this way. No, no, no she's not. She's not. I'm reading energy. Um, right or wrong, that's actually not the thing. I mean, my job is to say, hey, babe, like, I'm noticing this with you. And for me right now, I'm feeling this, not, hey, you're making me feel this way. I could say that, you know, again, an indication you know, the thing that tripped off this feeling, the story I'm telling myself is that I'm unlovable. And it's because, you know, you, you seem to um, be ignoring me while we're in the same room. And, uh, and we've seen, I've seen these memes about the one partner thinking that the other partner is, you know, having an affair and then it's the, the guy sitting there and laying in bed and thinking about, I can't believe I missed that three-foot putt. Like so often we make these assumptions and back to the four agreements, read the four agreements. That's one of the best, um, one of the best pieces of medicine I've received is don't make assumptions. We don't know. We have no idea. It's something I did, not feeding the animals may have had something to do with it, but it's not all of it. There's a bunch of things that contribute to that that I had a hand in and that I didn't. So um, again, I think it's important to, to, to sit with that and go back to that idea that we don't know. Now, another thing that, that um, and I don't know, the, the newsletter's coming out tomorrow. I've written part of it. It may be another week without it, but um, 
seems very likely that I'm going to write about an experience I had earlier this week. And, you know, I, it's so interesting for, for whatever reason, I had a few appointments, calls with some like mentors and teachers this week. I ended up having four in the course of three days and it's just the way everything landed. And so, and I got a great, I got a great kind of piece of work from each of them. I'm going to read, before I go any further, I want to read this poem. It's actually not exactly a poem, but it's in a, a book of poems by um, someone I just had on the podcast. His name's NQ. The book is called Inquire Within. And I'm going to read this poem. Again, it's not, it's not very poem-like. but I think it's appropriate here. It's called therapy. I was coming out of my new therapist's office the other day and sitting in the waiting room was my old therapist. It was awkward. I hadn't seen him since our final session six years prior and both of us were understandably caught off guard. There was an uncomfortable silence followed by pleasantries. Hey, how are you? Great, I said. How are you? Really good. Another silence. Well, all right, man. Take care of yourself, I said. And I meant it. He smiled. You too, Adam. I walked away shaking my head. We are all going through this human shit together. I don't care who you are. Exactly. Like, like NQ says there, I don't care if you're a therapist. We all need help. We all need the support and the love and the challenge of our family, of our you know, kind of metaphorical brothers and sisters, coaches, mentors, guides, really guides. Um, they're not there to do the work for us, but they're there to help us get in touch with the tools that we have to do the work for ourselves. And that's some of the kind of inspiration for the work that I've been doing is, you know, through coaching and stuff, it's not to tell you what to do. You know, certainly through the podcast, it's to share my experience in a way that may resonate with you. And to show things that are working, things that aren't working, and all the stuff I'm trying. But also the work that I'm doing with individuals it, it, it's really trying to reflect back to them what they're saying and to be that mirror and allow for them to discover what is going to work best for them given who they are. And so we're all going through this. And I think there are moments when we're not feeling like it, and I think that's great. But I think any person I know has tough times. And sometimes they get stuck in those for a long time. And so don't believe the hype on Instagram. Don't believe any of that bullshit. Um, you know, if they're just showing this idealized 
kind of world. Um, that's just masking pain. I mean, I only speak from experience there. But anyway, so earlier in the week, a, a, a buddy of mine runs a hockey camp, Gretzky Hockey School, may have heard of his dad, Wayne. And so Ty reached out. He's like, dude, come to camp any day this week. Bring your skates, gloves, stick. We've got all the other stuff. You know, you literally don't have to do anything except come out on the ice and we'll just have fun. I'm thinking, oh man, that'd be fun. And you know, what, what's my schedule look like? And so Thursday was the day. And so I went there Thursday and um, literally just went like, oh, it'd be great to be on the ice again. You know, I grew up playing hockey. I played in college and probably haven't put the skates on for five years and had zero intention of it and went there. And it didn't occur to me until I was driving home. I was literally almost in tears from gratitude. I realized, you know, I've been in this, this kind of a bit of a vortex of like doing this inner work and, you know, like really sitting with not worrying about what I'm producing. The newsletter not going out the last couple of weeks, an example, I've had less stuff on social media. I've been focusing on some other things. I haven't even recorded that many podcasts because it's been remote and it's been a little tricky. And so I haven't been doing that work. Um, I even, I mean, I'm in the process of writing a book and almost two weeks ago, I set out to do a deep revision each day on one chapter. And the chapters are, you know, 13, 15 pages. So no sweat to do one per day, especially when I didn't really have anything else going on. I haven't cracked the manuscript yet. And just recognize that I'm in this period of like just going inward and reassessing, just resetting everything and paying attention. But all the while, I had these four calls with different guides. And I've just felt this intensity of like doing the work. And I've been reading stuff and I've been listening to the podcasts. And again, it's tipped over into this trying to move through something in a way that isn't truly surrender. It isn't truly surrendering to what is. And so what occurred to me on the way home for being on the ice, now, mind you, I, I, I was out there, you know, with the other coaches. I was shooting on the goalies. I was hooting, hooting. And, I mean, I was talking shit. I was having fun. And I didn't have to think about how I was supposed to show up. What am I supposed to do here? What's the right thing for me to do? I literally just went there, put on the coaching gear, and just played. I just had fun. And I felt free. I forgot about everything in my life except what I was doing. And I think it's just so rare for me, even as I've you know, really intended to do this work, it's rare for me to get there. And so... You know, it sounds cliche, but I was, I was, you know, here I am, the coach, the teacher, so to speak. And I was arguably given the greatest lesson of anyone there 
on that particular day. Uh, cool the jets, man. Like even in the going inward, like just let it wash over you. And I hadn't been doing that. And so it's just a reminder, like your intention, you know, my intention for reading a book is to get better. I used to figure out who I am. And the greatest lesson I learned this week was when I went and played and I was exactly who I am. So anyway, I, th I think that that um, hopefully can serve as, as notice to you all that sometimes we just need to go back to the, that childlike playfulness to discover what it means to be in the present moment. And so, yeah, that was, yeah, that was a bit of a, a, a an eye-opener for me. So I'm, so, so I'm deeply grateful for, uh, for Ty, for the invitation. And um, he's always so generous with the, the hockey gear too. So I got to bring home a bunch of stuff for the kids and for Peyton and, and all that. But anyway, that's that. Um, you know, but on the, listen, and I'm not trying to beat myself up here. Over the past couple of weeks, you know, probably two, two and a half weeks ago, I had the notion that it was time for me to just clear the schedule um, that I was needing to be in much more of a reflecting mode. And, and I did that. I had like a handful of different investment things that had come my way that I, I, I canceled all but one. I had... Probably, I think I had two Zoom calls, three other calls that I canceled. I had two podcasts that I canceled. Obviously, the newsletters. And I just allowed myself to sit in that discomfort of not, of not being that unconscious three who's achieving shit. And, and it's felt really good. But even within that, the, the layering of that is, okay, brother, you still need to let go. There's still more letting go. Um, now with that in mind, I actually do want to share a song, um, that has been coming up often. It came up the first time I heard it, I was in a plant medicine ceremony. And as I was kind of coming to this song was playing and it was very, very apropos to what I was what I had just experienced. It was playing recently when I was having a deep moment with, you know, one of my best friends. And um, yeah, it showed up a week later during one of these healing um, modalities that I, I was sitting with um, another one of my guides. And in, in essence, we're going through this visualization thing and tapping into like what's going on in my body. It's like, okay, go into your heart, reach in with your hand and pulse, pull out what, whatever you pull out, you know, tell me what you pull out. Like I pulled out, like it looks like paper, like a scroll. So he's like, okay, unfurl the scroll and tell me what it says. So I unfurl the scroll. And I can't read any words. 
when I hear this song playing, and it's literally playing in the room. So it's not like I was envisioning the song. It was literally playing in the room. And it's an album that I've been listening to. And mind you, I was at her place, at her place of business. I've been playing this album nonstop for probably the last six weeks. And she'd been playing this artist. The artist is Trevor Hall. She was playing like a mix of his music. And I hadn't heard one song from this album yet. And we were probably 10 songs into the session. It's called You Can't Rush Your Healing. Baby. Quiet down the mind 
Okay, so I didn't keep my word. I played the whole song. I didn't know where to cut it off. It it's just oh, such a beautiful song. And listen, it, it it that's for me. That's the lesson. You can't rush this shit. Be patient. Be kind to yourself. Let it unfold. And when you take a step back, or two steps back, or ten steps back. It's okay. It's part of your path. It's part of my path. I need to be patient with it. And so it's no, it's no coincidence, right? That this thing continues, this song, this message continues to show up for me. It's, it's the opposite really of, of how I spent a lot of my life. Very impulsive, really wanted to get shit done, accomplishing stuff. And again, it's not to, to, um, to denigrate that stuff. That stuff has served me really well, but in this time in my life, it's, it's not the time for that. You know, so it's really about deconditioning to these ideas that I have to always be moving forward. I always have to have this initiatory action towards something, towards a goal, towards success, achieving. You know, uh, you know, one of the lessons I got this week is the masculine is electric. It, it, it moves forward. It does shit. It gets shit done. The feminine, when integrated, is magnetic. And so if you can really anchor into that, things will start to show up for you. The opportunities, the things you love to do, you don't need to go outside and seek them. They're within you. It's just, if you can just sit with it, they will emerge and you have to pay attention. And so again, a shit ton of lessons this week. Um, you know, I'm just trying to stick with what makes the most sense rather than trying to integrate all of the, the lessons I got. Um, a lot of it is just around this idea of patience, paying attention and allowing for things to come in. Now, one of the benefits of me taking time off from trying to get a bunch of shit done was I got really, really clear on the mastermind. Um, I don't like the word mastermind, but I'm trying to deal with it, I'm letting go of the judgment around it. But it, it, it's, let me break it down for you. 
It's going to be an eight-week online brotherhood where I'm bringing on the guides and teachers, a handful of them that I've worked with. So I've gone out, I've, I've worked with each of these people. And in this first phase, we're calling it connection to self right now. That may change. You're going to be introduced to some of them. The idea is, you know, once a week, let's call it every Tuesday, there will be 16 or 18 of us on a call, Zoom call. I'll bring on one of my teachers, one of my guides. For instance, Boyd Vardy. If you are familiar with his work, he's been on the podcast. He's truly one of my mentors. He's one of my best friends. He, um, he will be the first guest I bring on. So the first week will be just you know us getting to know each other, working through kind of why we're here, and really establishing some ground rules for the space. Week two, we'll bring on Boyd. And Boyd, if you've if you haven't listened to his podcast, track your life, his personal podcast. It's amazing. It's in season two right now. Season one was was an account of his forty days that he spent out in nature at the uh, game reserve at Londolozi where he lives. Season two is him visiting these sacred sites on Londolozi and allowing for whatever is coming up for him to come out in a 10, 12, 15 minute, uh, basically like a journal entry. He's one of the most incredible writers. His ability to use turn of phrase and to speak philosophically, metaphorically, and then about actually what's happening, it's remarkable. And so his, his, the first season was blew my mind. I actually think he's operating on another level in season two, which is hard for me to even comprehend. But anyway, Boyd will be on. We're going to, you know, he's going to talk about what it means to be an inner tracker. How do we pay attention to what, what is truly ours and what is not ours? So there's a lot that goes into that. Boyd has a lot of, expertise here through his own experience, but he's also done all the other work. So he, un, he pulls from so many different disciplines that I don't even want to put him in a box of what he, he, he's one of the most um, insightful and connected guides I've ever seen. So anyway, Boyd will be there. I'll have other people that I've worked with come on and we'll go into a diff different part of the self. We're going to, we're going to do some journaling. We're going to go into our Akashic records. And so with some of these guides and experts, each of the men who are part of the unlearned experience will have individual calls and meetings with them. And so again, the idea is that I've gone out and I've, kind of curated this experience. Listen, there will be, this is phase one. There'll be a phase two where we'll work with different uh, teachers and mentors. And if you don't, if you're not able to get in the first 
cohort here, the first group of men. I'm going to be starting a second one after this one is complete. Okay, so, but I do recommend you get in on the first one if you can, because there will be, it will be a slightly discounted price as we're just trying to feel it out right now. And um, yeah, we're going to be sure we over deliver on that. And so I'm super excited about that because as I said, I've been working on this with my partner for, I don't know, maybe three months. And I just haven't, haven't been really clear about it. We kind of talk about it each week during our weekly call. And last week, it all fell into place perfectly. Like I see it exactly. I see how the next one's going. And then the next one, it, it, it just, that's what happens when you remove all the stuff from your life and you get really clear on what you want. And what I've also recognized is, what do I not want? I don't know about the newsletter right now. The newsletter's up in the air. Um, it's been really hard to write it. Now, does that mean I just stop writing it because it becomes a little more challenging? No. But if it continues to be a challenge, it's, that's information that, okay, this is not your medium right now. Step away from it and see what you really want to do. You know, again, I, I mentioned I've been a little bit less prolific on social media. Not that I post a ton of stuff anyway, but honestly, it just doesn't feel that good for me right now. Um, I post some stuff about the podcast because I think it's good for people to see. I, th I think I try to pull clips and some quotes that people will enjoy and that kind of mean something. And so if they don't go watch the podcast, then at least they get a little something. Um, you know, and I've just, again, I think because I've been in the, such of this inward kind of focus lately, I haven't felt like expressing much through social media. And I just need to sit with that one a little bit more. Um, maybe I just continue to lessen the footprint. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Will I get less downloads? Yeah, arguably. Does that matter? I don't know. Like, what do I care about? Well. I really care about the podcast. I love the conversations I have. I really wish they were in person right now. There's different, for me particularly, it's different being in someone's energy, being able to give them a hug, really connect with them in that space. I really miss that. Um, but I also recognize that just because the, the environment's not perfect, because we have to do it over Zoom, if we're going to do it, you know, remotely, I have to let go of that and know that it's what the message is. I can still have meaningful conversations and I have. I've had some great conversations. If you listen to, you know, my podcast with uh, Luke Ryan, who was my old college roommate, who was arguably the featured defense attorney in uh, How to Fix a Drug Scandal. Or if you listen to the podcast with Makad Brooks, which I got to, I know a lot of people listen to that one and, and it, it, it moved a lot of you. And, um, I learned a ton. I mean, I, I, I've only spent time with Makad once, but he and I have just felt like brothers, uh, since that moment. And, um, 
I think that's the power of when you show up as yourself. Um, and to be honest, uh, I've gotten better at that. You know, and I think even, <laughs> it's funny now that I think about it. Well, when I saw him, I was still, uh, I wasn't quite showing up as myself. I was still wanting to be fit into the group. And so, you know, maybe not acting. Um, yeah, I wasn't quite showing up as myself. You know, but in the time since then, in our interactions through, um, you know, the phone, text, Instagram, direct messages, whatever, and certainly through the podcast, I've understood the power of just being me. Um, because that's what people want. And if that's not what they want, then why would, why would I want to be with them? Why would, you know what I mean? Like, um, that's a lesson I learned from my 14-year-old son. He was sharing with me, actually in the fall, he was 13 at the time, talking about how he met some girls when he was visiting a school, one of the, the schools here in Austin. So he was changing schools. And uh, so it was pretty cool. And I said, hey, well, you know, he was kind of felt like he was basing his his decision on where he wanted to go based on who had the cuter girls, which 13 year old Cal would have done the same thing. Now, what he shared with me was that they, yeah, I said, did you get their number? He's like, yeah, we don't do that. You just follow each other on whatever that app is. I don't know what he said. It was Instagram or, or Snapchat or something. And I said, so how's that been? Like, what's, what have, what have you been posting? Like that old, I want to be liked um, mindset came in for me. And he just looked at me and kind of tilted his head like, what, what do you mean? Like, I, po I post about my gaming and, um, you know, some Minecraft videos and stuff like that. It's like, dad, if they don't, if they don't like me because I do that, then why, why would I want to be with them? It's like, huh. Okay, so I'm 48 years old and I still struggle with that, but he gets that at his age. Again, if we're paying attention, our kids, our teachers, they will show us where we are not free, where we still have resistance. And so that, for me, was a big eye-opener. So anyway, um, back to the unlearn experience. I'm super excited about it. Hopefully, registration will be open by the time this podcast comes out. And when it does, there'll be a bit of an, you know, you know, 9, 10, 15 questions, really trying to find out everyone's intention for what they're looking to get out of it, where they're at. We really want to try to put together a brotherhood that feels diverse. And we want to make sure Everybody knows what they're getting into. One of the highlights is going to be an in-person retreat at the end of the, the eight weeks. It'll be here in Austin. And it'll look something like this. 16 guys descend upon Austin. And we'll host some ceremonies here 
uh, at my house. And there'll be some sound healing. We'll do, a, hopefully we'll get a uh, get to do a sweat lodge or a tamas cow, which won't happen on my property. It'll happen somewhere else, in some sacred ground. But we'll really learn about ceremony. And no, it won't be plant medicines, anything like that, but it'll be other ceremony. And I think that's something that's been really missing from our culture. Certainly was missing from my life until the last couple of years. And I've experienced many different ceremonies that have been transformational. And so I want to bring that in-person experience. And, and within that, we'll learn about drumming. We're going to, I've got a whole bunch of plans of, of what that looks like. It will be contingent upon us being free to travel. And so that'll happen probably mid-October is what I'm, um, I'm identifying it around. I believe it's a new moon. It's either a new moon or a full moon. It'll be that weekend. And so we'll learn about that. And I will have proper guides that are well experienced in this space. And don't worry if that doesn't happen, uh, there will be a portion of the, um, the registration fee that will be refunded. You'll know all that stuff prior to. We're still kind of working the kinks out on that just to see what makes the most sense. But uh, as some of you know, I really wanted to host a retreat back in, in April. Obviously got canceled because of um, current situation. And so this really marries today's environment with the you know remote kind of groups getting together, and then hopefully we'll be able to land uh, in an in-person retreat at the end. So it's going to be amazing. I see it very clearly. I have a list of people who've reached out already. Don't worry if you haven't reached out yet. There's still room. These all aren't definites. But this is, this is why I got into this work. This is why I'm doing the podcast. So I can connect with more people on a deeper level through experience, through ceremony, through learning, sharing. As some of you know, the reason I started the podcast was to bring the medicine that I was receiving from all these guests that I've had on bring it to you in a way that you could understand it and see if you wanted to go deeper into that experience. And so this is a way for you to actually go through that process with me. And so I'm, I'm so excited about it. And, um, and again, had I not listened to my intuition a couple of weeks ago and started to clear my calendar and stop judging myself for not doing anything, I wouldn't have had clarity about this unlearned experience. And now I get it. Bam. I know what I'm doing. And um, I'm excited. Really inspired to bring this to men that are hungry for it. Um, this is, if you feel called to this, then, then please reach out because this is for you. Yeah, trust your gut on that one. Now, with that in mind, uh, I'm going to play another clip. And this one is from Boyd Vardy. And uh, again, I'm using this Rodecaster. That was kind of cool. 
So this is something I'm actually, I'm going to put this out on Instagram, but for all of you, those who are not on Instagram, this is a clip. I don't even remember what day it was of Boyd in the Tree, but I had clipped it because it meant so much. But um, yeah, you'll understand why when you listen to it. So here, here goes. The wellness industry will boom and I'm certain we will buy more supplements. We will come up with systems that help you hack eating with an app that says eat less. We will add more adaptogens to our green juice. We will buy a machine that makes us cold. We will find a way to sell a sick spirited people a way to feel better. But what we are looking for to me does not need that much gadgetry. Tonight, I want you to turn off all the lights and light a fire. Ask yourself, when did I feel most alive? When did I last know I was exactly where I was meant to be? How do I find the limit and go beyond it? I mean, that, that's just a taste of what Boyd brings to the table. Again, if you listen to any of his uh, reports from being in the bush, it, it, each one is littered with wisdom like that. But what's he saying? We get caught up with adding things to our life. A new, you know, listen, it could be the aura ring or the whoop band for your sleep. And, and those things are useful. But when we rely so heavily on those things, when we add supplements, right? We add adaptogens to our green juice. Those aren't bad. But what can we remove from our life? You know, as my, as my brother Kyle Kingsbury likes to say, how can we weed the garden? How can we get back to simplicity? And in doing so, get more clear on what feels right. Like, what do we really want? What makes us feel most alive? What does that even mean? For so long, I didn't even know what that meant. I knew that when I was a trader, when it was busy, yeah, I felt alive. And it wasn't, it wasn't because we were making money. I mean, that, that helps. But it was this pure competition. I felt like I was in my element. I felt really good. You know, but, but often, aside from that, I didn't really know. Um, and so this is some of the stuff that we'll talk about during the unlearn experience. And um, yeah, pay attention to those things. Build that fire. Turn off all the lights and build the fire. Sit around the fire. Pay attention to the fire. What comes up for you? I'm going to do that tonight. Um, you know, all the things he said that we do, I, I do them. I do them all. A machine that makes us cold. I got a damn deep freeze that keeps me cold. And these things aren't bad. But like when... It's constantly pulling us out of what makes us feel alive. 
those things can make us feel healthy. They can create an opportunity for presence. Again, but when it just becomes routine and rut, what's the purpose there? You know, so it'd be encourage you to reflect on that a little bit, just like I have been. Um, it's it's been helpful. And again, what makes me feel alive is is sitting down with people and connecting through the podcast. It's taking calls from people who are curious about my experience and if I can shine some light on some, some sticky parts for them, you know, that feels really good for me. Um, I enjoy Yeah, I've enjoyed this solitude. I've enjoyed taking long walks. Um, I've really enjoyed embracing the idea that I don't know. And I will continue to talk about that as a reminder to us all that there's so much liberation and freedom in not knowing. You know, again, I'm going to, I can't wait for the unlearn experience as something that speaks deeply to me. And, you know, like, again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to sit with the social media. Like, what do I really want there? Honestly, is it something where, uh, is it that necessary? I don't know. What do I want? I want to feel good. I want to feel like I'm being honest and true. And so the podcast does that for me. The newsletter was for a while. Maybe it will tomorrow or later today. I don't know. But I don't have to decide right now. Um, maybe, maybe I just start doing little mini solo casts instead of writing newsletters. That certainly feels better, like right now as I say it, but maybe it's because I'm doing a solo cast and that's what I want to do. But uh, it's always like, we need to do that. We need to pay attention to what feels right today. And also understand why it feels right. Does it feel right because we're avoiding something? Or does it feel right because it's true? And only each of us individually can answer that. And sometimes we're going to get it wrong. And that's okay. It's part of understanding what, what that message was. Anyway. Now, one of the things... Um, oh, you know, here. I'm going, to play, I'm going to play you another clip. This, I, this was one of the podcasts that I had... Or one of the, uh, I, I clipped something from my podcast with Eric Godsey because I wanted to use it as a newsletter. And I was going to put it on social media, but I just, I, I never got around to writing it. But I'm going to play the clip for you. And the reason this clip, it just, I just kept coming back to this clip of our conversation because so much has been happening lately. So much has happened since March. And a lot of people have very strong opinions about what's right and what's wrong. 
And I'm here to say, for the most part, you all are wrong. Because so many people take such a hardline stance and they don't recognize that they don't really know. All they know is their experience. And for most of us, it's so limited. And so we're starting to make judgments on that. But really, it, 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 I became, I like shut off all of it because I just saw a lot of ignorance out there about a lot of things. And I think everyone would be well served. I don't mean to sound preachy here either. Okay, I'm, this is for me to hear as well. There's so much shit we don't know about. They're virus, okay? No matter what you do, people are going to be pissed. No matter what you do. And there are people on both ends of the spectrum that, you know, are maybe there to just stick a finger in someone's eye and say, you know, you're not going to tell me what to do and I'm going to do this. But by and large, it's super confusing and people don't know what to do. And... There's so many people out there virtue signaling, shaming people that people don't even, they don't, they, they, they just hide because they don't want to hear your bullshit. Because a lot of times people are just coming from a scared place when they do this virtue signaling. And so what if everybody understood that we don't know much about this virus. There are smart people, doctors, scientists, whoever else, who are sure about certain things. There's so much conflicting information. So who do you believe? What if there's a bit of truth in all of it? What if you just did what you felt was right for you, for your family, and for your community? Rather than... We can think it's a conspiracy and all that. And I think there are people out there who are not good actors that are in power. And they do have an agenda. So I'm not saying that that's not the case. But there are so many agendas out there. Like, are you going to call out all of them? You don't have time to. You don't know them all. And so what if, what if you just started to feel into what feels right to do from your, like from your heart, you know, get out of the mind and trying to make sense of all the data and the information and stop watching Fox, stop watching CNN. That's not news. They're trying to get you riled up. So you'll watch more of their programming. It's not easy right now. Like, at all. But I think this clip will shed some light in what people are trying to do. And Yeah, I'm going to leave it at that and let you listen to this. And then we'll discuss. I don't generally like going out to parties and gatherings, whether it's school functions or whatever, because I, I, I hate small talk. Okay. And I think you're speaking to this. It's because time, yeah. there's a 
lack of intimacy. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm wasting time. Um, and I'd rather be at home with my wife or my kids actually having an experience. Yeah. I don't want to, and, and one of the things I've, I've recognized is there are social, uh, y'all hear me virtue signal right there. Look at me home with my family. What a dink. I feel like I'm wasting time. Um, and I'd rather be at home with my wife or my kids actually having an experience. Yeah. I don't want to, and, and one of the things I've, I've recognized is there are social um, constructs that say that you should be going to these things. And so I've said, fuck all that. I don't believe that anymore, yeah. which has been, as you know, it's quite liberating when you start to see the bullshit behind all that. Um, but I do, I love this idea of questioning. It's the gentle questioning. It's tender. You're, you're, you're trying to get where we can really speak on a soul level about whatever it is because, and I don't, I don't know where this comes from besides the way we were brought up, but there's this idea that everything's binary. And I know that for me, I, you know, I did well in school, but I did particularly well in math and science mm. answers. I could get concrete answers. Right. And, and so living in this kind of binary world and then like specializing in this thing that really there was a right answer and a wrong answer. I spent so much of my life in that kind of mindset, in, in that game that as, you know, I turned 46 and these things start to blow up for me, it is uncomforting because all the things I thought I knew weren't true. They were yeah. just opinions. And fortunately, I had the scaffolding, the support of people who have gone through it, been going through it, like Kyle and, and other people of our tribe that let me know that it's all good. Just go figure it out and you're fine. And it allowed me to let go of a lot of things that I had held on to as my beliefs that weren't my beliefs. Yeah, for sure. They were someone else's and they weren't really beliefs. They were just opinions and yeah. they were things that, you know, they were doing the best they could, but that was the shitty programming they got. And it comes back to this core law of human nature is to conserve energy. And what people will do whenever they're talking about something like politics is they're showing you their crayon drawing and they're saying this is the world and like yep this is it as a psychologist i'm personally fascinated by like i want to know what they're like if if i'm with someone and i know that the conversation is only going to be small talk i'm still fascinated because like every person i meet is teaching me more about the human psyche and so when I'm in this small talk, like I want to know about their drawing. I want to know what crayons they used. I want to know how long they've worked on it. I want to know how close they think it is to the real thing. You know, like when people are mm. telling you about something that you know they don't know, especially if it's politics or religion or whatever, it's like they're trying to describe to you how to fix a helicopter engine. And they literally have a drawing with crayons of what they think a <laughs> helicopter is. It looks like a six-year-old drew it. 
And they're like, you just have to do this with the crown. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, this is where they're at. I know that I have my crayons, but like, I know that I can admit to myself that it's a crayon. I, I want to know how they make their crayon because we all have our crayon drawings, you know? And it's like, the people who think their crayon drawing is the helicopter engine, like they're in for a hard game. And so it's just compassion. And like, I, I use those instances as a, like I'm doing research, you know? Like if I have to have a conversation with someone because of the way the situation unfolded, where they're adamant about telling me about the crayon, I'm fucking fascinated, you know, for 20 minutes. Sure. You know? Okay, so from a practical sense, for me, and I'm sure there's plenty of people out there listening who feel the same kind of pain, uh, without your background, every normal day cat having this conversation, like how, how do you... Like, how do you hold the space? For sure. Like, so I I think you can literally imagine I'm in front of a six-year-old and they're showing me their crayon drawing and they're telling me that it's, they drew a crayon drawing of the outline (laughs) of the skyline in Austin or like, this is the city. And you can just be like, okay, I have to talk to a five-year-old. I want like, be a good dad. Like, uh, how did you draw this? Uh, like, what inspired you to draw this? How do you feel now that you've drawn it? You know, like, um, what advice would you give to me for how to draw? And just like, they're a five-year-old, you know? And like, just try to, a really beautiful thing. And it's why questions are so endlessly deep and fascinating is that Everyone wants to suffer less. And so when someone is showing you a stupid fucking drawing, if you ask the right questions, you can make them a better artist. You know, like if you ask the right question, like how do you know when you've squiggled outside of the lines? What do you do when you can feel that? Like, like I'm so not invested in what they think is right about like what's happening with the world. I'm more curious with in this 20 minutes that I'm with them, can I ask a question that will make them better at drawing? You know? That's beautiful. And I love the the image of the dad. It's like having that tenderness with the child and, right. and being, yeah, being a good dad. I love that. You know, because it's when you get triggered, it's because some part of you feels like you have to defend against the drawing. But like if truly a six-year-old boy came up to you and said, you're a girl, here's my drawing why you're a girl. It would trigger nothing. Nothing. It would trigger nothing. You would just be curious or laugh. You know, like, especially if it was a person that, if if it was a child that you loved. Yeah. It would just be like, how did you get to that conclusion through drawing? You know, and it's just like, curious. Like, I'm so not triggered by your drawing. Because I know it's not the truth. It's not even close. But I know that how you draw will affect how your life unfolds. And maybe I can help. Oh, dude, that's such good medicine. I, I love that. Yeah, so Eric Goss, he's a wizard. And if you haven't listened to our episode, I highly recommend it. He shares so much good nuggets like that. 
But you can see like so many people are outspoken based upon, as he would say, one quasi fact. And they just anchor into that fact and they just find information that through confirmation bias that support it. And you just continue down that. And unless I fucking totally have done it before. But I've really tried to be aware of it in this situation with the virus, with what's going on racially, to just listen, pay attention. What makes sense? What feels right to me? What feels right to me? What makes sense for my family? What makes sense for my community? Am I being a responsible citizen? And only I can answer that for what feels right for me. But too many people out there are doing exactly what Eric's saying. They're trying to tell you how to fix a helicopter with a crayon drawing. And it's so silly, but they don't see it. And it can become annoying if you don't have that compassion. And you don't look at them like a child because that's what they're acting like. Because they have to be right. How many people do you know? Maybe yourself included. I've been there. I still get there. I'm not there right now. But how many people do you know have to be right? And will stop at nothing to defend shit that you're like, I know you don't believe it, but you just can't be wrong. And so it's just tiring and exhausting and no one learns jack shit because you're just paying attention or they're paying attention to whatever you're saying and looking for, there's a little hole in your argument. I'm going to exploit that and I'm going to sit with that. I'm going to change the narrative, which we've seen happen en masse during this last three or four months, you can't avoid the amount of people that are changing narratives. So that was something I was intending to write on for the newsletter. I couldn't get the words right. It was too hard for me to make like a concerted, structured, it just, I kept freezing. Yeah, think about that next time you're in that situation. It's just a little boy or a little girl you're talking to who's scared and uninformed. But they don't know it. They're just unconscious. And remember that you've been that little boy or that little girl, you know, as an adult. And to have compassion for them. Because there's just, that's just fear. Generally, it's just fear and sadness that's emerging. But it goes back to that principle of understanding there's so much we don't know and we don't need to know but it doesn't know doesn't mean we don't know how we feel and eric talks about that the idea is to get to how something makes someone feel and when you can get to that you can talk to anybody about anything but you got to get through those first couple of layers and it's really challenging sometimes. And sometimes we don't have the patience for it. I don't blame you. I certainly don't. Not all the time. Or maybe not even most of the time. Now, speaking of this quarantine, one of the amazing things that happened for us, my wife and I in particular, was um, during you know, Boyd 
spent 40 days and 40 nights out on the game reserve. And each day he would record a podcast and it would be a 10, 12, 15 minute podcast about kind of his daily musings, what he experienced and kind of philosophically what was going on. And so it just became a daily routine for my wife and I. We would sit down with, I would make some coffee. We sit down and listen to Boyd. And then we would just discuss it because it was so rich with information and things to discuss with the way that they resonated with us. When that was over, right as that was coming to a close, we had a date night and we slept in our guest house. And the next morning we woke up and I read something from, I believe, Alan Watts. And she read something from Don Miguel Ruiz. I believe it was the fifth agreement, maybe. In any event, we sat and had a, a conversation about around the two for about an hour. And Peyton was like, well, we, I wish we had the cameras rolling or the microphones. That was like a really cool conversation. To which I said, tomorrow, let's do it. And I have this like little Q8 recorder, which records audio and video. And it's so easy to upload to YouTube. Thus was born Coffee with the Callahans, which has 15 episodes on YouTube. We recorded them, um, I think April, May, or May, June. And so that was kind of season one. And it was really awesome because I got to share, I felt like I got to share a side of Peyton that a lot of people don't get to see. Uh, I think she'd be the first to admit sometimes she wants things to be kind of tidied up before she presents it to on social media or a program, which I understand. But in doing this kind of podcast, she didn't have that opportunity and she just spoke, spoke about what she felt. And sometimes we'd read passages from books, sometimes we read a poem or we listen to a YouTube YouTube clip or an Instagram clip or talk about something that was coming up for us in our lives with our kids or with ourselves or anything. And she, yeah, she got really comfortable with it. And I think we'll start that up again soon. Once I get up to Idaho, I think we'll do another round of, of these episodes and maybe season two and it'll be fun. And, um, yeah, I'm grateful that, that she was up for it. This was something we talked about like three years ago. And just, we weren't in a place to do it. We hadn't started to do our work yet, really. And what's would have been interesting is to see, see it start back then, just to see the, you know, maybe the, the, the way we've changed. But um, I think even now, uh, even in these, short couple of months. There's been a lot of changes for us that I think come out through the podcast. And um, yeah, we share our teachers. And so I think there's some useful information in there. We talk about the books we read and why we read them and why it resonates and some of the lessons. And um, Yeah, so 
I'm going to share a clip from, uh, I don't remember which episode this is. Uh, This is called, Do You Let Your Kids Fully Decorate Their Rooms? And so this is a little clip from that, which I think is, is, this is pretty fun. That's what I loved. That's what I wanted to see. Those were like, that's what made me happy. And so Bowen, our 14 year old, he's, he's got his things all situated in his room. He's like, dad, I, 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 I've got my name on my wall. I'm 14 and my name letters are on the wall. Okay, to be fair, they're metal. They don't He's match. 14. They're super vintage. He goes, Dad, it says Bowen on my wall. Are you kidding me? They're very cool. And, and he's got a really cool dream catcher with a citrine crystal in the middle. It's fine if it's you're going to take a picture for a magazine, but he didn't care about that. That's his space. And so you are gone and well, I was on a girls weekend and I had a talk with my friend, Nicole, who's an interior designer. And so she had prepped me a little bit because I had asked her, I said, do you, she has two teenage girls. And I said, do you, and I use the word allow, uh, do you allow your girls to decorate their own room? And she said, oh yeah. Um, and she said it was really hard for her at first. Um, and then she was telling me about the differences, you know, and what they have and how interesting it is to see how they express themselves. So she had kind of softened me in preparation to what you were talking about. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I heard him loud and clear. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll, 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 help, I'll help you move it. Let's do it. And when you were gone, I'm like, she'll be fine. We'd kind of talked about it. You weren't necessarily in full agreement, but I think I, I was making a compelling enough case. Like these well, kids. I don't think you told me until I got home. So right, yeah, but he couldn't even wait for me to come up and help him. He was so excited that he got the green light that I came up and everything was kind of moved, and there were scrapes all over the hardwood from where he was moving the desks around and oh stuff. I'm just like, oh god, okay, it's done. It's a done deal. It's um, and I helped him with a few things, but I mean, it's not at all what you would have expected or wanted, but the rugs were moved down everything. off. Yeah, he's like, wall. I don't want the rug. And I'm like, I don't know why we have the rug because it, it's, it's always getting in the way. It's always getting curled up and it doesn't look right. The bed's and, pushed to the corner, which is not very feng shui. <laughs> yeah. It's in the corner underneath a window. All the things I had and planned for. And he's got his that you walk in his room and there's like a desk in the middle of the room. He looks like a big executive. He does. You walk in and it's like he's got his computer and he when can he's at see his you from the door. So well, he's got it turned, not like the desk faces the wall, you know, like where it's against the wall, where like most people put their desk against the wall. His is pulled out so that his back's to the wall and he looks out onto his room. So if anyone comes into his room, he's like Welcome. Yeah, well, it's not even his back to the wall. It's back to the window. So normally you would kind of, you would think you put the desk by a window so you can look out the window while you're working. And his back's to the window. And He wanted for the green screen to be yeah, behind him. He's got the green screen for when he streams on whatever the games are that he's playing. And then his shades are always down because he needs it dark for when he's... Doing, so that's always... That's the hard part for me. I'm like, you need vitamin D in... I don't know if he's going to get vitamin D there, but he we needs, definitely needs to awake. 
He needs the sun to come in. Yeah. Cycle. If he's not going to be outside, he needs to know it's daytime. Exactly. (laughs) His body needs to know it's daytime. You know, so I commend you for just finally allowing for that to happen to letting go of that little bit of control. But it's. Well, I haven't completely let go because. Well, you've 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 muffled it. (laughs) Hope is still working on. She's breaking me down slowly. But so I kind of wanted to bring it up. We we brought it up to our friends because I was curious what other mother and it, what other mothers thought. I really <laughs> I wasn't curious at all what they thought. I was interested in what it was like. And how do I say this? I feel very kind of resolute in the the decisions that were made here and that these kids need to do whatever they really want to their room. I think hygiene's a different issue. So keeping it clean is different. But I, I was interested to see how wrapped up in that sense of control other people are. Because I think when you finally recognize it for that, which I think for a lot of people, that's what it is. Yeah. You hopefully see how silly it is. And when you let go of, like, no one, no one, okay, no one cares what, my son's room looks like if it's messy or even that i would say i don't i don't care about your opinion if you're coming into my house yeah, right. and casting judgment on what my son ha- i want my son to feel 100 percent at home this is his space this is his creative space this is where he he goes when he needs quiet time to get away from us to get away from everything like mm-hmm. that needs to be as inviting and every bit of his fiber needs to be a part of that room. Mm-hmm. And so not allowing them to do that is just another way that we try to make them, yep. as Dr. Shafali would say, little. a little version of us, yeah. an extension of us and all that bullshit. And we're controlling this mm-hmm. environment that they live in there may be good intentions. Oh, this will help them create. No, it, it, your intentions may be good, but you're wrong. Let them lead. They will tell you what they want and what inspires them. And it's well, going to be different than what inspires you. For sure. So few things. One. Um, All right. So that's just a, a, a little snippet of a conversation we had. And I mean, you could say we're, we're talking about some stuff that I think is probably relevant to most parents and we don't always agree. We try to have a little fun with it. We also try to be, you know, it's actually stuff we talk about. So I, uh, uh, yeah, check it out. It's been fun and Peyton's going to be showing up on this podcast more. I'd like to have her on, you know, every, I don't know, month and a half or so just to touch base because I think a lot of the listeners are in relationships, whether they're, you know, going on 20 plus years like us or if they're just starting and this, it's all stuff that people kind of deal with in being in relationships. And then we talk about kids stuff and then we'll just talk about shit in general, like what's going on in life and what we're doing for personal work and how we're doing it right and how we're doing it wrong and what we're trying to figure out. So yeah, I think y'all will enjoy that. 
um, it's been super fun. It's been a great way for us to connect. And so I kind of miss, miss us. It's been a while since we've done it, but, um, yeah, I would say that that's about it. Um, one way, let, let me just share one more way that I'm working to really surrender, surrender to allow things to unfold. And again, I've talked about this before. It doesn't mean you're apathetic and you don't do anything and you're lazy or any of that. It's just that you do what you can do. You show up as you. And that's been the the big thing for me to recognize. You show up as you and you just let the chips fall where they may. And so there's a there's a kind of an interesting situation for us where we own a really beautiful piece of property in Idaho. We fully intended to build on it and it doesn't look like we're going to. We still may, but it doesn't feel like we're going to. It's a lot of time and energy and money that goes into that. And we're just not sure that that's what feels right. See, back to like what feels right. We feel like we want to maybe do something like that in Austin in a, uh, in a different way, not a, a home, but a retreat space or a community space where people can gather and share ideas, experiences, and really just spend time with one another. And you think about when people come into town, it would be nice to go somewhere out in nature where there's some sort of a structure that has, you can have some music, you can have some speakers, as in like people speaking on things that are interesting to other people. You can do like live podcasts and have events, but it's on a beautiful piece of property. Um, it can also, you know, we would have a, like a retreat aspect to it. So there'd be some like tiny homes or yurts. There's a, you know, ideally there's a beautiful water feature on property. Um, a Tamas Cal or sweat lodge. There would be a, you know, a, a cold plant. There would be just some, some wellness pieces. But it's really just building community, building like kind of if you build it, they will come type of idea. And um, so that that feels like a stronger pull for us right now than building uh, kind of a summer home up in Idaho, which we've had one for the last 10 years. We sold it last year and we have this piece of property. So anyway, the piece of property we bought, we, we got it at an amazing price. And because it's so busy in our community up there, the value of it's gone kind of through the roof. And so it feels like the right time to sell it. Um, you know, but I'm trying to just let it happen as it needs to happen and not let the price that it sells for be any reflection on me as who I am. Like, ooh, I sold it here. That means I'm great. You know, like, I know that sounds silly, but sometimes um, it's easy for me to get attached to something completely out of my control, having some bearing on who I am. And I, in fact, I had a call with someone who was, who was going to be putting a bid in on it. And 
someone I got connected with recently and we'd had a, a phone conversation or two and some texting back and forth. And he asked if, if uh, he was going to put a bid in and then asked if we could have a conversation. I was like, yeah, sure. I'm like, I, I, to, I didn't know exactly what we were going to talk about. Um, and so we chat and, and again, like he's trying to get a feel for like what I'm thinking about. Um, which makes sense. And I said, listen, I said, when we sold our place, we sold our house, I was feeling pressure to sell it because it was 10 years old, which doesn't seem like very long, but when there's a lot of new construction going on, people can buy land. Land was actually cheap last year. They could buy land and build the same size house, brand new for the same that my house was going to sell for, maybe even a little bit less. And so I felt a little bit like I was in, in, in a bit of a pinch. Um, and so I really wanted to sell last year. But I said, with, with this property, like, yes, I would love to sell it for what I want to sell it for. But I, I don't feel the pressure to sell it. Um, I may sell it for less later on than what I could probably sell it for today if I was really aggressive. I'm willing to take that risk in the hopes that it shows me that it, none of it matters. None of it really matters. If I can just allow it to be and unfold as it needs to unfold. And, um, you know, arguably I talked him out of putting a bid in because he never put a bid in. Because he, he saw where I was coming from. He saw that like my number was pretty much my number. There's a little wiggle room, but it was pretty much my number. And that he probably wasn't as close to the number as he needed to be. Um, but we ended up having like a 45-minute conversation that was amazing. And he spoke very honestly about where he was at. And he was just coming out of selling his company last year and was feeling a lot of the same things I was feeling when I left trading. And instead of having a potential buyer for my property, I ended up, you know, being able to share some things with someone who was looking for a new way to do life, kind of like I've been looking. And I think a lot of the questions I'd been asking, he was asking too. And um, I guess my point is, I don't know that we would have ever agreed on a price anyway. but what I did was I showed up as me. I showed up in integrity and that felt really good for me to connect with him in that way versus me trying to strategize. How can I get his price? You know, the, what he's willing to do to, to, to pay. How can I, how can I get him to move a little higher on that? Like that I've played that game before. It sucks. It feels so shitty. And, um, anyway, just a great lesson for me that even in that quote unquote missed opportunity of a potential bid, like it just, he wasn't the one. And I'm trying to exercise that with a property that we loved that we saw here in Austin. It's absolutely magical. And there's some parts of it that are so unique. Um, that there's that part of me that's like, I don't want to let this one go. 
but it's also priced a little bit higher than I think it should be. Um, and so I'm trying to make sense of that. And if someone else comes in and buys it, can I be okay with that? It's just a piece of property. You know, the magic really comes from what you do with it and how you spend your time on it and what you create there with other people and with that community. And so these are the things that currently I'm working to just surrender into. And so with that in mind, I have a deck of 20 cards. Eastern philosophy, it's called. If you're watching, I'll show you a little clip the box looks like from the school of life. And these are 20 of the best ideas from a great tradition. And so I'm just going to randomly pull one. Not going to look, not going to look this. Yeah, this is the one. This would be a kind of one to grow on for y'all. You get to see me with my glasses on if you're watching on YouTube. Okay, this is called Bamboo as Wisdom. East Asia has been called the Bamboo Civilization. Not merely because bamboo has been widely used in daily life, but also because the symbolic qualities have been described and celebrated for hundreds of years in the philosophy of Taoism. Bamboo is classified as grass rather than a tree, yet it is tall and strong enough to create groves and forests. Unlike a tree trunk, the stems of bamboo are hollow, but its inner emptiness is a source of its vigor. It bends in storms, sometimes almost to the ground, but then springs back resiliently. We should, says Lao Tzu, become as bamboo is. The greatest painter of bamboo was a Taoist poet and artist and philosopher, Zhang Zai of the Qing dynasty. He is said to have painted 800 pictures of bamboo forests, seeing in them a perfect model of how a wise person might behave. Beside one pen and ink drawing of the bamboo, he wrote an elegant script. Hold fast to the mountain. Take root in a broken up bluff. Grow stronger after tribulations and withstand the buffeting wind from all directions. It was a message addressed to bamboo, but meant, of course, for all of us. Yeah, beautiful. That's it for today's show. You can find me on Instagram. <laughs> I don't know how frequently I'll be on there, but at cal.callahan, Facebook, Cal Callahan. On YouTube, uh, under The Great Unlearn. Yeah, and you can check out my website, thegreatunlearn.com. Sign up for my newsletter if you haven't. You may receive it. If nothing else, you'll receive notifications when the new podcasts come out with a little information about each. You'll be on my list for events like the Unlearn Experience. And you'll be able to, hopefully by the time this episode airs, you'll be able to find that as well. You've been listening to The Great Unlearn. 
For more information, please check out the show notes or head on over to thegreatunlearned.com for additional episodes and information regarding events and retreats. If you liked what you heard today, click subscribe and share this with friends that might enjoy our platform. 